Ring that bell. Two opinionated hosts, birdies, special guests, bogeys, and much more. You are listening to the Birdie Bell Podcast. Hey golfers, and welcome to another episode on The Pod uh, with your host, me, Scott. And me, Tom. Right, I was right. Your boy was right. He won. Mate, he won some, won some moolah always on the betting. Always listen to me. Yeah, so uh, what, Cam, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman got it done. Uh, it's a good tournament. I, really I can't believe you it. bet on a guy with that haircut. Mate, the haircut was what we sold it for. <laughs> Mullets are the way forward. I'm thinking about getting one, to be honest with you. Do you think if he chops it off, it'll like fall off tall? Yeah, well, like Samson, lose all his yeah. powers. Yeah, yeah. Potentially, I think that's what he's. Uh, I think that's how he feels. He's keeping it. It's so, getting more like harsh as well, which I like. It's more harsh. He could make him. his way if he becomes world famous. He could make his way onto the Ricky Fowler scheme. He could. He could. The mullet. He See, could, he could we be called one. it. Grow a mullet. He could be one. He's standing out. Leishman, not so much. No. But Cam Smith, yeah, definitely standing out. Now I know I said I was going to watch some of it. I lied. <laughs> I didn't manage to catch any of it at all. I'm I presuming didn't... you must have watched it because you, you were texting me going, oh, I've had money in there. I've got four yeah, of the top five. A, I watched a fair bit of it. It was uh, it's good. It's a good comp. Good comp. A few people could have won. It was good. Uh, Tony Finau, Cameron Champ were up there for a while. I thought they were going to get it done. Tony the Pony. I'm yeah. glad he didn't win it because otherwise he would have been fuming. First win, but he's having to share it with someone else. Yeah, that is bad. I'd be like, no. I'm going to finish second, yeah. and I'm going to win outright That's it. by myself. All right. What have we got this week, then? So, um, this week is a good one, mate. And I know you've been looking forward to, to this one. We've got Precision Golf on, um, so which is going to be... Uh, well, we're going we're to let everyone listen to it in a bit. But, really good episode, and I know you're a big, big fan of all the kind of the techie... Golf shaft, Absolutely. golf head, all that kind of talk. So you're into yeah, that. Yeah, I'm in the market for some new irons as well. So well, we're, we're coming on to that. We're coming on <laughs> to that. So um, I, I suppose really that nicely, well, not nicely for mm. you, leads us on to the birdie count. So, oh. so picking up from where we left off last time, uh, to recap, we played Forest of Arden and I went up to eight. Um, and you were still yet to get off the mark. And this weekend, we played in our first individual comp. Um, Wasted time. Wasted time. Yeah. Well, I kind of agree with you to a certain extent. Um, We played in our first individual comp, and I thought you were giving it large before about the birdies, so I thought the birdies are going to come rolling in. I was so confident. So confident. And then... And then we teed off. Then we teed off. <laughs> and it was the worst four hours of my entire life. Your first opening tee shot wasn't horrendous, no. though. I thought, that's okay. You can I, did. With that. I was happy with that. No, I was in the bunker. Yeah, but it wasn't a badly struck no, shot. Yeah, it was a good Yeah, it was a good shot that ended up in the bunker. Got out to put bogey on the first. And that was the highlight of my day. <laughs> I proceeded to then forget how to golf entirely. I couldn't get the ball off the ground. I, 
I just don't know what to say. It was the worst golf I've ever played since I was like, since I started playing golf life. Nine. Is, does this worst. count as the meltdown of the week? Oh, it was meltdown horrendous. of the century. I I didn't want. I wanted to quit golf after. I think after. we need to get a sports psychologist on. Mm. Um, I've never seen somebody have such bad self-talk out loud <laughs> over the ball. I'm gonna thin it. I'm gonna thin it. I'm gonna thin it. I'm like Tommy. You're gonna thin it if you're gonna say you're gonna thin yeah, it. But I was taking. I but what did you do? Two you flat t-shirts. Could not make contact with the ground. <laughs> no matter what I did, was like lads. This is getting uh, topped. And then I topped it. I I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, I was driving it okay. To be honest, you actually well, were, and it wasn't until like towards the middle of the round where it became apparent that this was going to be the meltdown of the century. <laughs> um, yeah, you kind of stuck with it for a little bit. I mean, it was a bit of a funky round all over. I, I, it was a funky round for me because it started off horrendous. We all bogeyed the first. The put I had on the first, if you remember rightly, literally went over the entire hole <laughs> and did not drop. And I'm, I'm, I've, I'm still, I'm 95% over it now, that put. But it's still haunting you, me. Uh, you had a mini, a little mini tantrum. Remember, on 17th, you actually threw your club. I didn't throw my club. Well, I never throw my club. You, the, the, the head was grounded. You kind of, you not threw on the hand. Not on 17. I gleaned it. I know, but you, you lipped out. I think oh, you yeah, out. on the green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was another, that was another one. <laughs> yeah. as, as DJ Khaled would say, another one. Um, yeah, it was, it was a funky round because the greens were poor. They were poor. Mm. Um, but they've been poor all season. They're and just bobbly. You know, I was playing off eight and got started with bogey double. And you're thinking, the second, I've said, Seal was playing with us. He went, you won't drive it into that bunker down on the left. Yeah. Oh, guess where I was? In the bunker on the left. Big lad now. Big lad now. But then, <coughs> you've got to admit, the birdie on three was something else. Mate, I didn't see anything. You must have seen that at three. You weren't gone oh, there. Three. Yes. That. That hard, yeah. Hard the, hole to birdie, that is. It was only to like a foot. Hmm. A couple of feet, most. And then it went back to back birdies. And do you know the reason why I birdied four? Was because I got to the green and you were that peed off with me that you went, go on then, just put it in. <laughs> I vividly remember you going, go on, just put it in, like that. And I thought, you know what, I will put it in. And I did. So we went back to back birdies, which took me to 10 birdies. Is that ten... it? No. Oh. No. The one you didn't see was down 16. You didn't see that one because you were red misted. Yeah, but that hole, come on. I'm man. counting that because yeah, of how bad the green was. Greens are bad. For everyone listening, it's basically had some kind of water pipe burst. Ruined, Seven trends. Ruined yeah. the entire approach to the green and green. So now we're playing, it's a par five. It's playing what? 400 yards? Probably a bit further, probably like 440 or something. So, but to make up for it, they put the flag in the fairway. Just in the fairway. There's <laughs> <laughs> not even a green cut. They not even tried. They could have just cut that extra. Or just drew a circle yeah. round. That, that would have made it more. I remember my third shot was. Eight, two and I was fairly close and I said said to Gary who was playing I, was like, I don't know how hard to hit this yeah. 
80 pitching wedge, just trying to like bump and run. Mm. And then my putt was absolutely bulleted at the flag. I thought, there's no way that's staying in. It stayed in. And I was just like, what is going off? I mean, I could have I could have joined you on a meltdown because I was I pulled it back and I think I was one or one or two over I think after ten after nine or ten or something going along fairly okay I had a miniature forgot how to play golf on ten with a snap hook thin up and down for a par escape and then we got to the thirteenth hole now. I want you to recall and recollect your brain and tell me how many times you have seen me make a seven on a par four, but not only a seven on a par four, but a seven on a par four, 56 yards away in two. That's five shots from 56 yards. It makes me happy. I like it. It doesn't make me happy. If you'd have had a meltdown on that day, I would have fought you on the course. It could have been a right no, scrap, couldn't it, it? it? No, I would have eaten you alive. You wouldn't have. But, <laughs> but um, you, there was no purpose for you to have a meltdown. I legitimately couldn't play golf. Yeah, but I was like, on a good round. You were yeah, on nothing. You were on nothing. If I was in your situation, I would have had a meltdown. But yeah. that's not really safe. Seal much. said to me, he says... Um, uh, in fact, Gary said to me, because Gary couldn't see where I was. He was down a hill. And he says, he says, you handled that well. He says, I didn't even know what you'd scored. And you just went... He went, what was that? Because he was marking my card. I went, seven. <laughs> he was like, what? I was like, yeah, I made a seven. So anyway, we then birdied, I birdied 16, which takes me to uh, 11 on the count. But I'm thinking, right, back to five over. Feeling great. Hit the green on 17. Threw my putter onto the floor after nice being robbed. Didn't. Yeah. And then I decided to hit the ball into the car park on 18 which is never a good idea when there's a car park full of cars did you find it yes i found it It i actually hit the greenkeeper's shed and bounced just inside the out of bounds otherwise i would have been fine so that made me another double so i've had two doubles and a triple for eight over i was one over for 15 holes (laughs) that makes me sick I can't help but smile, to be honest. I know. I don't know why. I'm just, I don't know. Something about what you're telling me is just making me smile. Yeah, but you say all that stuff. My dad does exactly the same. Mm. He's like, oh, it makes me feel better. And I'm like, that is not the attitude. <laughs> that is not what I want to hear. I'm coming home telling people, or going to my mum and dad telling them about my golf. And he's like, oh. And I see him like, like chuckling. Yeah. Just like you're doing now. <laughs> chuckling to himself. I can't help myself. It's just the... Oh. I, I didn't even I couldn't have told you what any of the people I was with scored. Seal. Was I don't on, even think you knew you were playing no, golf with. No. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> you're right. So, uh, Seal's on like round of his life. I yeah. Just had no idea. In in fact, it, it I did a good friendly thing by staying and inputting that card, knowing it was uh, on a decent round towards the end. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure you throwing your clubs about here, there, and everywhere helped him, but I couldn't care less at that point. <laughs> I, I lost count of somebody. how many clubs that you threw. I, I, was like, I threw one and I wasn't happy with the throw because obviously I wasn't playing well, so I wasn't even throwing it well. So I picked it up and threw it again. I thought, no, you need another bounce off the concrete. I did see you once and I thought you were going to snap a club over your leg. Yeah, I nearly, I very nearly did. I nearly javelled one into the bag and tried to snap it. 
I thought about just throwing one in my bag. The the best uh, the best throw of the lot I thought was on the seventeenth where you threw it onto the path and the club like just bounced. Yeah, it just bounced. I, I was, uh, as as someone that's about to try and sell these clubs, I was very happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> you just took a tenner off the value yeah. straight away with a big scratch down down one of the clubs. Well, these things happen, man. They happen yeah, for a reason. Apparently, you can just forget how to play golf, even though when you're at the range every night, playing well, playing well normally, casual rounds, boom, forget how to play golf. Well, I said to you just off air, I played yesterday in a in a Derbyshire event, and by God, I forgot how to play golf. Literally, the arms were not attached mm. to the body, the mind was not attached to the body, it went everywhere. And it happens. But... You gotta laugh about it, and we go again. So you're in the market for some new golf clubs, mm-hmm. potentially, um, which I think it I, feel like I just need a change. You know, if you ever just feel like I'm stuck, I need a change. My driver's feeling that right mm. now. And you think like I bet if you've got a new driver, it's you're... just something different to look at. Yeah, behind exactly. The ball. Yeah. Um, be interested to see what you know Simon's take on that is when when we mm. get him on. Um, but yeah. I think a new set of clubs might do you a bit of good. Uh, Definitely. Reset the mind. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Um, and and get that handicap yeah. down, because you've got play, You mm. should be winning some comps this year. Because yeah. your handicap is too high. Mm. Well, we want to play, all right. But I just can't seem to do it at the minute. It's oh, it's got. Something's got to change, or I'm just going to take up hiking. Just go you, for walks. Yeah, you probably pull your leg or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I miss the step. Then you go in a wheelchair and then the yeah. battery will break. Handicap will be too high for walking. Yeah. I'm a I'm a 28 handicap walker. <laughs> Slightly better than your golf, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So I suppose we better get into it. Um, like I say, we had Simon on. Brilliant chat. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Yeah, enjoy. Simon, great to have you on. Um, it, it's been a few weeks in the making, I know. Um, Tommy particularly has been extremely excited about this one because he is into all his kind of uh, techie stuff with, yeah. the, with the clubs and all that. So um, for those that don't know Simon, Simon is uh, the founder of Precision Golf. Um, Simon, whereabouts? Remind me, is it Surrey? Is it Surrey? Yeah, we're, we're kind of just, by, if you do it by golf courses, we're literally around the corner from uh, from St George's Hill. So oh, like kind of nice. Waybridge, just off Junction 11, M25. That's the cool. so kind of sorry, sorry end of the country. Yeah. Real. So for even those people that aren't near Surrey, well worth a visit. Um, I suppose really then, Sam, I'll probably just hand over to you just for just for a minute, just to give us a bit of an bit of an idea really about how it all started because it is an absolute for those people that haven't seen it go have a look online um absolute state-of-the-art facility what on earth made you think you know what we'll do we need to create one of the best facilities in the uk um well one not being able to earn any money playing that was a good start point to kind of go i need to find something to do um so i my um the business partner, co-founder, James, who was, so we started off he, him club making and me fitting. Uh, I met him, so a, a good friend of mine wrote for Golf World at the time, and there was a piece of technology they were using where he was training that he wanted me as a scratch plus digital, digital golfer to go and kind of look into. 
So I went there, met James. We got to know each other really well through back and forth, tinkering, building my own set at the time. And um, where he was, he he wanted to do it. They had a kind of the starting starting of, of what we're doing now, but very much the potential to do more, but it was never going to get that way. And James just said to me, he said, look, I really want to do this properly. Um, he probably clocked on the fact that I was not going to earn a living playing quicker than I was going to admit it. Um, and said, I need, I want to do this properly, but I need someone to fit. Um, and kind of what about it? And so um, as a, was a sort of 20, we were sort of 24, 26 at the time. And I kind of go, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, and, and kind of to a point sort of fell into, I've always been into, I've always been into, if I felt I could understand what went into my clubs or fitness or swing, I could get more out of it at the other end. So I was, I was interested in that side of it. Um, and I enjoyed having done sort of corporate events and things before some, some um, golf event work. I enjoyed the people facing side of it. Um, and so the more we kind of looked into it, it kind of felt like the, the right sort of thing to do and really really interested for me to stay in the playing side of the game was very very fortunate to stay in the side of it that I love doing uh, and to get a bit of the tech into it too was great so um so we started just the two of us back in beginning of 2005 um and then over the years have expanded up to get you know several more fitters move location more space uh, I've always wanted to try and add as much technology and, and other services onto it as well so we started off just club making fitting and club making uh and then as on a, a european tour coach who, who sort of consults with us um james's wife's a, a level two tpi um personal trainer going to do her level three when when you're allowed to travel again um and she's also a kind of a very very well qualified personal trainer too we've got a um, Stuart Robinson does chiropractic work and he's also biomechanics so kind of trying to get each part of how you play golf the body the swing the, the physicality and the clubs all to kind of be under the same roof and that's really where we're at now um, so we've always wanted to try and keep developing keep giving as much of an all-around service as we can so that we can have a complete solution um, and you know it's a pretty good toy shop so really, it's it's great fun environment to be in, and, and to have people who used to be in as well. It's just a lovely place to be. Yeah. So. so it sounds amazing. In a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> so so where I suppose really so did you start off fairly? It sounded like you started off fairly kind of small because the facility you're at now looks unbelievable. So I'm presuming. It was, was it just kind of word of mouth or how? Yeah, I, we, we think back to it, it's 50, 60. We had, there was some, we had a reasonable amount of contacts through the playing side and James through what he did before. And it just, I think, yeah, it was, it was you know, some of the, the early stages of online marketing. Just we used, actually, we used a lot of magazines, a lot of hard copies, and some of the regional, um, I think it's a fair bit of green, one of the magazines we did. And so those were always, you know, free in golf clubs and they're on coffee tables and things so that was pretty good we had um a large article in the golf international um that was that was massive for us um that that we kept getting referrals for that for three four years people said oh, i've just seen you in that article wow. you just know that was a while ago um and then gradually things built it was your know, word of mouth is was and still is by far our biggest biggest source of business so um i think yeah being able to do we've always as long as just do a good job and the rest can take care of itself. Uh, and, um, you know, 
hopefully kind of seems like we've done that over the years and, and it's just it has that snowball effect to yeah. it and, and you know golfers are like you know John plays with Bill and Bill's shorter than him off the tee normally and now he gets a new club and he's 10 yards past him <laughs> yeah. John wants to come in and find out what he's done <laughs> and the golfers are great because they want to tell people about it as well they're not they're not the kind of people who go I'm not letting anyone know um, so that that whole way of getting the message a bit of the message across and certainly a bit of the marketing side of it from our standpoint has been been unbelievable so yeah very lucky with that so i know our friend he, he always talking about it he absolutely loved it it's like mm. uh, it's like you you basically treat everybody like a professional which is amazing and what golfers want really don't they they want to walk there's in no reason why, yeah there's no reason why you know someone off 2024 handicap shouldn't get the same attention to detail and, and yeah. attention that the tour pro gets and it's, it's you get you see different kinds of results it's relevant for every kind of golfer but you see very different kinds of results from the two ends of the spectrum so um you know golfers are pretty good at thinking they're unworthy of things because they don't <laughs> play very much or they're not very good so yeah. i couldn't possibly do that but but there's um it's like getting a suit tailored it doesn't matter what shape you are what height you are That's what it. weight you are it's still relevant. Um, it's yeah. just whether that's something you want to do yourself. Yeah, I think one of the things that struck me was, yeah, well, our, our mate who came back and, and got fitted by you guys, the first, he rang me um, after, he, after he'd been in. I says, let us know how you get on. Um, obviously, it looks really good. He rang me and he's, you know, when when someone, when this is a lad thing, I think, more than anything, Um <laughs> When when your mate rings up and he goes, mate, yeah. is the first is the first is the first yeah. word. Oh, he's got some yeah. I was like, this, I was like, this is either going to be horrendously bad or horrendously good. And yeah. he was like, the, the, he says, the start of an extreme extreme sentence, yeah. though. Yeah, it? and uh, so I, I assumed it was going to be good, and it and it was. He says, mate. He says, he says, just go for the experience. Yeah. The clubs obviously will will be great and mm. and whatever, but his whole thing was. He just couldn't believe the, the the experience that he got because you know a lot of golfers, um, you know, you guys are, are in one place in the UK. You've got people like American Golf, mm. where the vast majority of golfers do go. Mm. And he said it's just like yeah. night and day. Um, you know, it, do you find a lot of people kind of are shocked in terms of how much? detail because i'm presuming a lot of your a lot of your first time people so if me and tom me and tommy came to see you we've been to american golf we've been yeah. to a few different golf shops i'm presuming we'd be a bit blown away by what you get to experience compared to that i think yeah i think and i think the first thing i say is that anyone going to one of those it's better than just looking at something and going oh that's pretty or dustin yeah. plays those set of those so i think it, it's it's the way we do it isn't isn't to not what those guys do it's just that we partly the ability to have the build station and the workshop on site so yeah. everything's built on site that allows us to go to that nth degree to say right we can build to a swing away to point one of a point if we want to because we can do it next door rather than having to send a spec off so um there is yeah i think the amount of options we've got the fact that we're not, you know, we take the time in the fit to get the spec because that's important. We're not just the numbers. We're not trying to get as many people through as possible. We want to get it right. Yeah. So we allow yeah. three and a half hours for a full bag fit because it takes that long to delve right into the details. And actually, so it does, you don't have to be a scratch golfer to, to, to kind of 
not say benefit or to notice the difference because yeah. actually it's when you break it all down I, as I turned to someone uh, earlier on or yesterday was saying anything that we all do in our daily life to someone else is very complicated but you, you to you it's quite simple because it's what you do day in day out but it is quite it's just it's pretty much just physics it's weight and levers and timing and the, the the bit that makes it less simple than just physics is you've got a you've got a human on the end um who actually not that so whatever standard player you, you, you're actually really pretty repeating in the way you generate or way one generates the speed muscle groups you use yes the technique could vary a little bit and the line to some delivers the club will vary a little bit but actually the the base way you get the club from top to ball doesn't really change the the synchronization or someone's balance means you deliver the head slightly differently or the angle slightly differently but actually the functionally how you move the club doesn't alter so you can for no matter what standard of player you can go to those nth degrees and yeah. they will see the difference um ironically actually a, a bigger difference for a high handicap player because they've not got the ability to manipulate and make something work mm. or the trust in their ability to make something work and for the you can make a much bigger fundamental change for that sort of player whereas the elite player you're looking at fine-tuning a spin mm. profile or gapping or you know trajectory control or something like that it's the little bit because they're confident enough, confident enough to go that's not me it's the club so they tend to get closer to what they need in the first place but yeah. for the high handicap it's a massive fundamental change quite often so it says relevant no matter what standard. Yeah, and I, th I think as well, like, I thought, well, I spent a bit of a misspent youth working in golf shops and, and whatever. And, you know, as, as much as people say there isn't, I've worked in shops where, you know, you get commission for pushing people into brands and, and not to say that people would, but I've certainly worked with people where if it's 50-50 between one and the other, yeah. They'll tell you to go that one, won't they? Because it's it's yeah. twenty quid in their back pocket, um, yeah, yeah. you know. And all, and all, the, all the brands want you to do that as well. They're coming to get all right. If you do X amount of sales, you'll get Y, mm. you know, retro or whatever. And, and and yeah, it's it's um, I guess if you've got one one of two brands, it's sort of something that you, know, you might be tempted to do. I mean, we've always said we just we just the only thing that matters is performance. That's yeah. why we don't you know, none of our staff are on a commission. We take no commissions. Oh, we're all, you know, they're all salaried, and yeah. you know what? If we have a great year, then there's a bonus at the end of the year. But it's not a case of if you sell ten sets of PXG, you get you get a kind of a Brucey bonus kind of thing. It's um, there's because that's not the important thing. Well, yeah, and I guess yeah. I guess the numbers you go into as well, the detail that you go into negates that as well. Yeah. Because if I was if I'm fitting it, European golf as as was, you fit in, and you've only got. A limited set of data, a limited set of shafts, a limited set of clubs. They can't quite fine tune things. Yeah, you it? guys have got the yeah. the job lot. So you know, you you will say right, these are your options, but let's go further. Whereas your standard customer, yeah. like you say, is better than picking off the shelf. Mm. But at the, at the same point, it's there's more area for commission to be well, uh, manipulated let's put it that yeah. way well we've got a friend who went to two local shops didn't he about three months apart and got fitted to completely different irons both times well i get the impression if you had a second unit somewhere and the same person went to both they would probably get the identical uh, fitting wouldn't they going to you i mean yeah i mean i, I ideally absolutely i mean, yeah. there's 
there's always i mean fitting's not it's it's so it's called a dark art because there's no absolute uh-huh. right and wrong and there are um you know different different fitters and even our own differences but might come with very very slightly different yeah. specs you're going to be within a yeah. a, a natch well he had two, totally done. different um, player standards eyes yeah. didn't he yeah. it was crazy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I think it's it's good um and it's it's interesting so if someone, so let's just talk about if someone, Joe Bloggs off the street came mm. and said, Simon, I want to get fit for mm. a complete new set. Um, doesn't matter what handicap they are. Mm. What is, they come to you, they book him for a full day. What is the process? Because I imagine it's a little bit different to just walking in American golf or, or a shop. Yeah, I think... One of the things, the biggest things is that we will always take measurements for all the existing clubs. So, because whilst even if someone wants a complete new bag, it's still relevant to understand why their game is in the place it's at and what their shop patterns are and why they're, they might, you know, just from the measurements, the specs, the length and the the components, looking at whether it's a you know X driver head in Y loft with Z shaft at this length and that swing weight. That, that gives you a blueprint of what that club's promoting its raw state. So if you've got a 50-gram driver shaft and then you're playing dynamic golds at 135 in the irons, one of, one of them is very wrong. Uh, and, yeah. But without, but if, unless you actually look at it and sort of analyse how they're set up, you, you can't explain to someone why they are hitting a, certain, a shot a certain way. You're also actually hurting, hurting yourself from a fit point because you don't have a baseline to start from. Mm. Um, so... Once you've got that understanding of the equipment, you can sometimes tell people why a club will work better or worse just from looking at the numbers rather than getting I mean, before they hit shots. But um, that gives you, it's all about building up a picture of the player. The more you can understand their current bag, where they play, um, any other sports they played, injuries, are they, this might have an odd comment, are they left or right-handed? Um, so depending on which way around, if you're top, top hand dominant, um, bottom hand dominant makes a big difference to how you deliver the club. Um, so you know any physical impingements will affect how you move. All of that stuff, you know, what course they play, what conditions they play in regularly. Um, it that stuff's really important because your the numbers are one thing from a data point of view, but that's not the answer. That's just the information from the swing and the club. Yeah. So you need to understand the other bits to know what the right data to produce is. So the more you, information you can get on that person, player, uh, <clears throat> how they approach the game, and you know, do they, are they somebody who just you know, really doesn't fuss by what the club looks like and just want the lowest score, or are you a bit of a tart like me and like, like pretty clubs and like them to look like, look like I might be yeah, good? Um, yeah, I just like the process of hitting a ball well. I can handle miss-hitting when I'm coming up short, but I like getting maximum feedback, so still playing with a blade for most of my arms. Yeah. Whereas um, one of the pros we deal with is very you know, a large amount of success on European tour, plays with pretty big cavity backs. He just said, "Well, why make it harder than it needs to be?" So it depends a bit on mentality. That, what that's side of my line. camp in it? That's what you say. Yeah, yeah we've we've got that's a friend it. who's who's just tightness through and through, and he always says to me, "He's like Scott, he's like, I, I wish I could be like you." Because um, I will go and get fit and, and kind of, as you were alluding to earlier, I just work on performance. Mm. Whatever performs the best. If you tell me it's a set of Donnays or it's a set <laughs> of Tightness, I'll take either. I, I don't care. Do you know what I mean? So it's, 
I don't, but I don't think either approach is wrong either. I think there's it depends what what derives your enjoyment from the game. So yeah. some people just like I you know I do like the that knowing I feel like knowing when I get it wrong, but knowing getting that maximum feedback can actually maybe I would rather hit it well and not score as well because I feel like I've played golf better yeah. than dog it round and be the best score it could have been because I've up and down like God. Okay, if it's a medal, fine, but. That's just not my idea of satisfying round of golf. So it depends what your enjoyment comes from. And so neither's actually wrong. You can be the, the person that plays the blades and fingers sting in winter when you thin it, but that shot, that shot that you appear and floats and everything, if that's what brings you back the next time, then you know, hey, it's it's not not wrong. You'll just be playing with a higher handicap than you could be. Yeah. But if if that's what floats your boat, then then go with it. Um, yeah. So typically then on, on the fitting, Joe Bloggs comes in, you've got this background story. Yeah. Mm. For those people that haven't been fit before, what yeah. how many balls would you normally get them to hit with, with each club? What's how do you know when is enough? Um it depends a bit on the player. <laughs> there are different <laughs> levels of enough. Um I think so the start point you get them to um explain what you've seen with the the information on their own set and then obviously whilst you're doing that generally let them have a you know however many they need to get loosened up um trying to you'd be conscious of not overdoing it and then i would always start off by looking at irons first look at the six iron get some base data on that uh probably need you only need a few solid shots you probably give someone five or six shots uh, to get a kind of a reasonable pattern of shots, um, reasonable pattern of, of um, dispersion. Um, and as long as you've got those couple of solid ones in there, you know, you, you can see it, it will relate into what they're telling you on the, about the course yeah. generally anyway. So um, then you can say, right, this is, this is why you're seeing what you're seeing. These are the results. This is good. This isn't good. We can, we can improve this part. And then you start going to looking at the different variables. So it always, I would always start off with a similar club head to what they're using, the same yeah. if we've got it, and then isolate the shaft first. Um, so it's not, there's not a kind of a one size fits all method of doing it. It's just the way that I prefer to do it. And um, I kind of feel like if I can, get, if I can zone in and get the shaft and the weight and the balance right first, then you get a true impact position of what they're capable of. Then you know what you need the head to do. So it's a sort of process of really. I guess it's educated A-B testing. You know what parameter you're changing, but you you know it, it, it should be an improvement, but there's always that point. You've got to get to that point where you go slightly too far. So if someone's playing heavy, you need to go slightly light and then bring it back up to find out the threshold of what too yeah. light is and then find that, that optimum timing and strike and consistency and then move on to the next component, look at some head options, work out what feel someone likes, whether a head style helps promote a higher flight or more spin or a lower spin, a lower flight, loft lie. Um, and you're working, then you're probably going to have at least a couple of options that will work, um, maybe maybe three. And it can, it can literally, in something like irons, it can come down to aesthetics. It really can just come down to, I like the sound of those or they look great. I've always been a tight list guy. Um, so... It, it, when you get down to that kind of level, you're then into the confidence element, which right. actually accounts for quite a lot. So, um, and you go through the same process. Irons, you can do it off the six iron because it's a full swing. It trends through pitch wedge up to up to whatever iron you're going to, um, and you determine that based on flight. 
and, and having enough carry progression. Um, you then do that with, I normally finish up with wedges because it's least effort. Um, but I always do irons first because that gives you your, you need to know where the longest iron you're going to go to is. And then I go driver and work it back, but yeah. do it the same base process each way. Um, Cause then you can balance off, you know, maximum distance. You can balance off what flight characteristics. And it's at that point from between driver and longest iron where they play um, ball striking ability, all that stuff goes into the right kind of club to fit into each, each part of the bag. Interesting. Interesting. And do you, um, so, so someone goes through that process. Great. Um, one thing that I personally have been looking at like the last couple of years. Um, and interestingly, I think when, when Gary went, he got yeah. asked the question about what golf ball he uses. Um, and he actually changed. Didn't yeah. He? And he actually changed, I think, based on, I, I don't know if it was James that he saw actually. Um, I, I don't know who it was, but he changed his golf ball on that. Um, and it seems making a bit of a bit of a difference for yeah. those What's your opinion on that? Do you think a golf ball? Because I've personally found that obviously, yeah, you've got your top flights and, and your pro Vs, but I've personally been looking into like compression rates and things like that. Do you find in the fittings that it makes a, a difference? Yeah, can do certainly. And so, um, you know, I mean, part of the, the initial conversation also, we get someone to use the ball that they would normally use for the initial batch of testing yeah. um, because there can be some reasonable differences on spin. Um, and so you, it allows you to get again a true picture of where their game is actually at and then you know, between within each category of ball i mean ball if you did a like a proper 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 ball fitting where you were looking at different types um cover materials brands it would probably take as long as a full bag fitting because yeah, yeah, yeah. is certainly at least wedge six iron driver and look at each type and then see right which bit does it but you can quite quickly work out where um so for example if you take a tv5 x tailor made is a very low spin golf ball so if someone's hitting it not necessarily launching high but spinning it loads and nothing you do with the clubs changes it and they're playing say a pro v1x you know you can take about 800 revs of spin off on a six iron with a tv5x so there are going to be certain characteristics of particular ball types where you can say, right, your natural ball flight is very high spin and very low spin. And actually the ball can help to either lift or drop or kind of optimize ball flight for them. Um, and, and then again, you say without actually changing anything with the game, you can pick up the best part of a club just by that kind of spin rate change would be, be a huge difference, uh, especially if you're playing on a Lynx or something like that. It would be a massive difference to ball flight stability. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely can. It makes the biggest difference short game. That That's where, yeah. so from a premium ball to a, a and other. Um, and it pretty much doesn't matter within reason what other golf ball. So even something like the, take Titus, the ABX is still a premium ball, softer compression. That spins a lot less with the wedges than a Pro V1 or a Pro V1X. Mm. So um, anytime you go away from a, vertical premium ball one of the sort of the pro style balls you're going to drop off performance around the greens but it will straighten the long game a little bit so it's, it's always a balance up of what's important to someone um which bit of the game do they want to optimize yeah. and then if you can't do an all-round one well what's what, what what's going to hurt the game less by yeah. compromising a little bit in that part 
it's tough though. I think it's really tough to get the right golf ball. Because... Well, you've just changed because of the short game, haven't you? You've gone to a more spinning one. Yeah, so so it's interesting because I don't swing it particularly quick. Um, not compared to someone that probably should use a you know one of your top tier balls that you need a a, a high um, swing speed for. And um, it's very different. I know they're trying to bring out the low compression balls with the urethane cover that spin around the greens, this, that, and the other. But it's so difficult, I think, to find the, the right ball. And I think some, I would love yeah. one day to just go and get a golf ball fitted and be like, right, because it's like you say, Simon, it's you could almost, to a certain extent, I would love to be able to go, right, I'm teeing off with this ball. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hit my eyes with this ball and put in, I'll use this ball. But yeah. we can't do that. No. Yeah, it's um, and a lot of it. Sometimes a ball that performs really well in the long game might not feel how you want to in the short game. So it is a difficult one. I think one of the one of the big mis mis misnomers, I guess, um, is golf ball compression does not affect ball speed as much as is marketed. The more a ball compresses, the more energy is being lost. So actually, if you go to too soft a golf ball you will lose ball speed. Right. If you go to a hard compression golf ball, you will not lose ball speed. Because, say, if it, the, the, the more the ball loads and compresses, it's just losing energy. So actually, deform, when it deforms too much, that's an issue, not the other way around. So um, the, the ball brands are not going to design a premium ball that the average golfer can't make work. So Because that's where they make, like Titleist, most of their money is from the golf ball. Yeah. So um, it is a big misconception that a hard golf ball comes off slow on a slower club speed because the ball isn't loading up and kicking off the face. Actually, you want the opposite for distance. So um, what does happen, though, is the more a ball compresses, the less the face grips the cover. So that's where often softer golf balls can gain distance. If someone's action is, say, seven or eight degrees out to in um, and there's a more of a glancing blow, a harder ball, a cover will actually grip the face a bit more and then you get the side spin. Um, and also the harder core allows the cover to pinch against the face more effectively and get the grip. So that's why someone like a Probio on X has become higher spin now. It's easier for them to get the higher spin from the from the harder harder core. So um, it's, it's, and again, so it's just another thing that kind of complicates it even further because you go, well, well where does that leave me? <laughs> <laughs> That absolutely blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be taking notes during this. Yeah, I know. It's a little <laughs> little lesson for yeah. us. Um, what happens? So have you ever, you may all say no. What so two things? How much do you would you expect someone to gain typically with, you know, like we're looking for new drivers, our drivers are five years old. Okay. How much would you expect someone to gain from that? And also, have you ever had people come to you? and not see an improvement with the clubs that they've they've got maybe yeah um the second one absolutely um you know it, it's um i mean, no, even with all the equipment we've got if someone's got something that works it can be i mean you get certain models certain brands that over the years they've just nailed take rbz yeah. through it. i mean up until the most recent ones the last couple of years where they're more forgiving and have retained the speed we used to see someone walking with the RBZ Tour 3 and they go, I can't beat that. <laughs> even before they even hit it. If they hit it well, game over. You, you can't make it longer because it was yeah. so good for spin. Um, so 
there are instances absolutely and and um and i think the thing to do is just to not try to kid someone that you can all list because you can't the data proves it you know no matter how hard you try if the, the if the data is optimal there there is there is no other way other than send them upstairs to get fitter um but uh yeah if you're optimal flight and ball speed and and it's not that irregular or that the gain is so small that actually the perceived is all up to what someone perceives as value but the, yeah. the actual cost per yard ends up yeah. 100 quid and that's really not particularly worthwhile um the other question i'm just remind me of the other question yeah it was about what what typical kind of distance gains yeah. would you expect to see i'd like to say i i always had in my head that five years was a, a good time to change a driver mm. because correct me if I'm wrong, I, I would assume from what you read and what you see that technology, I think from what we've got, we've got Ping G series yeah. drivers has moved on a bit. Um, I could be wrong. Yeah, it has. Um, I think, so with drivers, it's an interesting one because actually the faces have been limited since about 2003. So yeah. actually the middle of the face is no hotter or maybe one or two miles an hour hotter than going back best part of 20 years. And um, what's better is off center. So um, drivers, possibly, possibly not a lot, possibly off center there would be. I think we, we would yeah. say I think three generations of drivers normally when you start to see enough of an improvement to make there something that's beneficial. Uh, but I think at the moment it's, it's a cross face performance rather than like if you, if you hit it well and you get good ball flight with it and the shaft's not really miles off. You know, I'm one of the top talk guys on tourist who was still using a G series head. Mm. You know, so um I remember at the US Open at Chambers Bay, which I think that was a couple of years, 2014, 2013, 2014, Brent Snedder was using a 2008 model tailor-made driver. So it doesn't necessarily, just because it's five or six years old, mean that it's out of date technology. Yeah. It just might be that the what they've done more recently. So I was I've got an M4 driver and I was adamant this year I wanted a new toy. Because uh, they're more they're more forgiving, better off centre. But the flight I get off the M4 is that good. Yeah, there isn't anything to gain. There's not a substantial enough gain to to make me change. Um, before that, I had a seven year old RBZ Tour, but again, the flight was that good. It took me six, five or six generations of changes to make it a worthwhile change. So um, it's an interesting one because the the. Ping, for example, the amount of extra weight at the back of the G425s now for stability and consistency yeah. and forgiveness, you would think, well, there's got to be a gain. But it, it I mean, there will be some like ball speed retention across the face, yes, will be better. Yeah. So almost without doubt, that would be a, an area where if you've got a five year old driver, a heel strike and a toe strike is not going to yeah. drop off as much ball so speed. It's improving your bad shots, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah although again for me testing and this isn't a comment on the club itself but just for my own game the the sim 2 for me was good better ball speed off the heel but it spun more oh, so wow. it was no longer yeah. so sometimes the you get products where the construction of theories are great but in practice in for certain player styles or certain swing styles they just they just aren't any better um so yeah, it's one of those ones where there should be. Yeah, I would probably say for a five-year-old driver, probably say five to ten yards. Yeah, and I suppose as well, 
I mean, this is one of the things that we wanted to ask you about in terms of how important the shafts are, especially obviously yeah. in the drivers. There's hundreds and billions and trillions of shafts in the world. Um, some almost as expensive as the head, aren't they? Yeah, well, yeah, some are ridiculously expensive. Um, <laughs> um, and how much... So I think one of the things that we said, I think certainly for, for me and I know for you, is that the main difference is we probably swing the, club, uh, the golf club very differently in terms of where we what we need from that shaft. Um, is it all about shaft? For you, in terms of when you fit in a, a driver for someone, is that the kind of the the deal breaker in terms of what will make that perfect for that person? Drive wise, it's absolutely 50-50. I think what um, so what you'd be looking for from the head is um, either if there's a shot shape profile you're trying to manage, um, then you can do that more effectively with the head, um, weight positioning, CG position, um, and the forgiveness elements. And trajectory pitch that's where the head from a spin to launch pro profile um you you cannot override any of that with the shaft okay. shaft is all about consistency of delivery of the head so right. without eat without you can have one of the bits perfect and the other bit wrong and you've still got a horrible driver yeah. um so it's as you so yeah Shaft, you'd be looking forward to get someone to deliver the head as consistently as possible. And you can use bend profile and kick points and torques and things to fine-tune a bit of feel preference and fine-tune spin and launch preference. But um, the from a shaft point of view, the highest highest launching shaft to lowest launching shaft on a robot, no matter what weight, is about a degree and a half. It, it is not gonna you there you can't use the shaft to send the flight there or there. Wow. That's that's the player in the head. Yeah. Um, the shaft will give you, and so the like cost-wise on the shaft, the better the grade material, what you're likely to see is tighter and tighter and tighter tolerances on spin profile for someone's shots. Um, but it doesn't have to be a a 700 pound shaft to be right up. You could get a 50 pound shaft that could be the best shaft for someone. Yeah. Um, so it's just got to match the way they move, match their tempo. Um, load in the right place, which also then gives the consistency of spin. Um, but most importantly, the balance and the weight's got to be right to let someone put that club head on the back of the ball the same way each time. Um, and then the head is pitch of flight. Because there was that there was that shaft in it for you, so I'm sure you would have Simon. I can't remember what it's called, and I think it's a pink one. Um, it's like, Adam Scott had that. It's like it's the automatic yeah, kick point, is it? Yeah. Where it kind of it's like a thousand pound or something. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's about seven hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, it's so that I mean that's a that's a very very particular. It's a very kind of hot shot, hot topic online at the moment now because Scotty's put it in play and you know the guys over at TXG did a great job with their videos and and, and things on it and it's got some traction. Um, is it a shaft that is a cure-all? A hundred percent not. Uh, we have tested it. We've got a, a client of ours got one over and gave it to us to have a play around with. And, um, it's a very, very, very particular shaft and will suit a very, very particular type of player. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a bit like anything. It, it's, if it's too light, it's a quite a light counterbalance shaft, incredibly soft. Um, so if you're someone who has a plane change in your swing, forget about finding the middle of the face because that thing's so soft that it droops and twists and goes all over the place. Something like Scott or Matt over at TXG who test, 
is incredibly uniform plane. So there's no extraneous sort of twisting going on. They're just straight down. So the clubhead can stay on plane yeah. a lot better. Um, and it's clearly very good materials. Uh, and it's a really different feel because it's that soft. Um, and it's, uh, it's got some great traction out there. Um, but, and we will be getting some into the studio. Will we sell many? It would be nice, but I don't think yeah. so. Um, I think it's something that people will love hitting and testing and trying to say and, and experiencing. Yeah. But it's such a particular shaft. Yeah. I'd be uh, scared to swing it with that, with that price. 700 quid, then a four. Well, you can't afford header. to get angry with one <laughs> no, of them, can no, you? No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to lean on it hard, do you? <laughs> Slam it into well, by the sounds of it, the amount it bends, you lean on it, it'll just like <laughs> yeah. bend over. Yeah. But it's one of the things they, they say they they will, it has sort of specific build um, advice and that to keep the swing weight like mainly because if the head gets too heavy, the the droop and the load on the shaft gets too much. So it, it and that's what makes it such a not an odd like peculiar but not an odd peculiar but peculiar products. It has to be built and tuned in a pretty much within narrow narrow parameters. Yeah, yeah. So I know. Well, I know you've been itching to ask one question since you knew you were coming on. You were going to ask a question about playing with better. Yeah. I, I don't know. You can explain it. Basically, better, well, I've, I've just got some, I'm a sucker for a bargain. So I got some really cheap uh, tailor-made 790s. And right. uh, they're probably too, they've got stiff shafts in. They're probably a bit too stiff for me. Is there any benefit to playing with, better player clubs and kind of raising your game to that if you know what I mean like for example, yeah. Tiger says everyone should play with blades to learn how to strike it correctly so is is that a good way of going there is an that? element of that's easy to say when you're the greatest players ever exactly there is some merit to it so I, I would always for, for juniors who we have in the studio I would try my hardest not to give them an overly forgiving head yeah. simply because actually you automatically train strike by not having a really forgiving head I bet so you could get lazy um, couldn't you with that in that situation um, I i'm not sure i'd say lazy i think yeah. you, you can just train i think what happens is you have really the, the sweet spot stays the same size no matter what the head scale it's just how much around that you can get away with so i mean saying everyone should play blades i mean it's crisp yeah, okay, I, mean, I started playing with them, but yeah, I mean, that can be a pretty painful experience. Um, but what you do get, the, 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 the less forgiving you go in head, the more awareness of your strike you get. So yeah. that's where actually a lot of the unforgiveness, the lack of unforgiveness, lack of forgiveness comes from. Is it's actually perception of it. You could, you could strike a blade slightly out the toe and strike a ping G410 slightly out the toe. You wouldn't have a clue you'd done it on the ping. You'd yeah. know about it with the blade. And actually, that's that's the issue. The, the ping, you might still come up half a club short, but you go, oh, thought it got further than that. Whereas with the blade, you're going to, wow, it was awful. <laughs> so, and what that then affects is someone's confidence with it. But what it can also do is, is to a point, yeah, train strike. Um, so definitely there is an element. If, if you've got a club that you want to develop into or kind of want to use as a developmental club, then I think as long as you don't go crazy with it and give yourself a bit of marginal error, yeah. there is definitely a school of thought that says, you know what, yeah, you, you will 
naturally train a better strike pattern because yeah. basically because you have to. That's it. Like um, jumping in at the deep end, isn't yeah. it? You've got to. I think yeah. I think it's really interesting because like I, I play single figures and I look at blades and I'm like, no, not good enough. <laughs> like I literally say to myself, I am not good enough to hit them. And the, the interesting thing that I find is that um, I watched a video. I can't remember who it was by now, but you'll definitely know. Some, someone came to Precision and kind of said, this is, this is what you get if you um, go for a day or whatever. And I, I think he was a single figure and, and he ended up getting fitted. Yeah, he ended up getting yeah, fitted, I'm yeah. sure, for Blades. And he was yeah. like, oh, I'm, I didn't think I was good enough for that. And actually, he got fitted into them and he was like, Oh, it's changed my mind a little bit yeah. on and and I think that's something I could probably do with because I'm just like Mr. So against him, aren't I, I, yeah, I'm just like, why would I make the game yeah. hard for myself? But actually, it's probably I, I don't think you need to probably be as good as I think you need to be to have blades, if you know what I mean. Or, no. Yeah, no, you don't, you don't, but I think you, you don't, but I think you've got to be you, you also got to allow yourself to play them a little bit. There is that bit, and that's where that kind of, we were saying when you were finding out about a player and their mental approach to the game at the beginning of fit, that's why that's such a major bit of, bit of it, because um, you can utterly destroy someone's confidence with a head that they perceive to be, because you've, you've got to look forward to using the clubs. So if you put a blade six on out of the bag, knowing that if you strike it, it feels great, but if you don't, you're gonna your fingers gonna sting for four holes. Mentally, you're already on the back foot, so you're backing off it a little bit. And so it the, the confidence side of it goes hand in hand with the physical side of it. You know, that, that kind of the unmeasurable bit. You know, the worst thing you could do is give someone a club that actually is I don't want to say beyond their capability, but on the upper limit of it. And if they've got a little bit of fragility to confidence, because they're gonna hate the game. Yeah, it's always a safe given a choice we'll pucker up and go safe every time because we play for fun and and exactly, yeah. thinking that we've got to pure everything is not fun yeah. so um yeah that's exactly, so, that's exactly what both, i do both sides are valid yeah yeah exactly you know if that example if someone said to me because I, I, I don't like hitting a six or five iron particularly so if someone said to me, right, you've got this blade. I, in my head, and, and this is so wrong, in my head, I, I look at a blade and I think, I can't get that very far, mm. like distance-wise. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get this knife to, <laughs> to go the way I want it to. Whereas like my, my clubs aren't dead fat. I've got some Wilson D7 Forged, and mm. they're not ridiculously big, but I always feel I need like that little yeah. bit, that's something, yeah, something, just, just to kind of sit behind the ball a little bit. I well, don't know. well, in mine, um, I've got a, the P790s and from the 8-iron to 7-iron, they change uh, head shape and I'm so much more confident with an 8-iron now than my 7-iron. Yeah. It's almost um, not good for me because I'll, if it's on the cusp of a 7 or 8, I'll try and force an 8-iron there instead of yeah. being 7 just because I'm much more... Oh, man, man off my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to hit it hard. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. What's um, what's things been like since um, Mr. Bryson DeChambeau has been on the scene for for a bit now, like up in the up in the kind of speeds and whatever. Are you finding people are just wanting to come to you for raw distance? No, no, I think um, and Bryson generally is has been for everything he's done with the single length. Of, it's it's 
it's good for the game because it makes you think about it. I mean, certainly from our point of view, you 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 can it it is no matter how much you try not to, you get set in certain ways of thinking. And actually, what he does quite well is it kind of sh- it gives you a shake every now and then. You go, actually, is that is that better? Um, so, I think the thing with the power side of it is that he's in the gym every day. He's a professional athlete. Yeah. He is not point not one percent of the public. A case in point, our chiropractor, who we know at work, he's very busy this week because people heard their backs going back to golf last week because they've done nothing for three and a half months. Oh, and they've got <laughs> So that in itself tells you what how relevant what he's doing is to 99% of golfers. It's just not relevant. It's a different game. Um, it will affect those who have aspirations of playing professionally uh, or at the top of that Lamenter game, yes. Um, but he's also... He's, he's, I guess the Bryson and Rory side of it show how unique his setup is in that he's physically able to put that much muscle mass on. He's got an action being that uniform plane action that he can put a lot of power into. Rory's speed-based, not power-based. So he's got a little bit more change in plane, a little bit more rotation to the swing. So him trying to put power into that means that way. Um, So... That, and that's where I think Bryson needs to be given a lot of credit because a, he's incredible. He's an incredibly talented boy. He's quirky, but he's incredibly talented, and he's worked out for him what the right way forward is. And what the guys on tour now are seeing is that doesn't mean it's right for everybody. Um, and what he's doing is probably not right for most of the golfing population. Yeah. Um, to the extent that he's doing it, certainly. Yeah, is it interesting? Yeah, I mean, where do you think? So, in terms of like, you know, I've seen obviously Bryson's broke golf clubs, broke shafts, or whatever. Like, where do you think technology's going? So, in the next five years, because there's got to come a point, hasn't there, where it's, you know, you've already said that, you know, there's been some models previously that uh, you can't get too close to. How, Mm. like, I sometimes struggle to see where where we're gonna where this finishes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think um, what what will happen is there will be different materials developed. There will be, um, I like you know, taking you this year with a lot of the drivers, you know, both the Brad Speed and the Sim Two. They're trying to put heavyweight front, heavyweight back, no weight in the middle. Um, they're gonna they're still gonna try and maximize those sorts of effects, but. Ultimately, the laws of physics prevent them going that much further within the rules or within the frame shape of what's what a traditional golf club looks like. Yeah. And um, so it might partly depend on what the consumer is willing to accept as a golf club, what it looks like, yeah. because what they're doing is doing it within conventional golf club shape. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best it could be. So I think that's an angle that is likely to be looked at. It's been done the past the square heads and triangular shaped heads with the drivers. And, um, and I think now we're probably at a place where the consumer is ready to accept something that's a bit different if it just works. Mm-hmm. Um, because, well, there is, as you're right, there isn't really much else that can be done. If you take a standard iron head, um, the, the face, you can only go so thin on before it breaks. Um, you can only make it flex so much within that frame shape. You can only make your head weights can't really change very much because it's very, very sensitive to changes in that. So something like the 
um, or the Apex DCB, there's a lot of tungsten in it, but it's five or six grams heavier than most other clubs. That's three swing weight points. That's a big difference, mm. which makes it unbuildable for certain specs. So I think material developments in club heads that, and then using materials from different industries, different metals, different alloys, different composites, um, I think that's an area where they'll continue to be progress. Um, and that's probably more consistency of performance across the face and forgiveness, I think. Um, and then, I mean, Ironhead's probably a similar kind of thing. Um, but for I mean, shafts, it's really, there's only so many, one, one, one of the heads are on the shaft manufacturers. Um, it, it wasn't the best way of marketing his products, but he said, it's basically, it's, it's a tube. Yeah, it's a 46 inch tube. There are only so many ways you can make it bend and so many torque values you can go with it there's only so many ways you can make that thing perform so with shafts it's purely graded material and that's why you're seeing the tpts and the auto flexes and the you know the like over with their airburst and acris some of the top grades the speeder evos and the vendors that there are you know, shafts the only way to improve them is to basically make them dearer uh, and and yeah. it's there are a lot of 350 pound golf shafts out there, but that's because that's the only really progress they can make. Um, so again, there might be a new material that comes out that we all go, oh wow, that was that was something. But I think, yeah, it's it's pushing the limit of it. It's getting very, very near to peak. So you've heard it here first, drivers are gonna be more expensive then. Certainly looks that way, mate. Um Simon, I'm very well aware of the um, time it seems to be flying by, so um, we're going to ask you uh, to have your picks for the majors this year um, and get your thoughts on those. So so what's your thoughts, starting with um, this year's Masters? So Masters-wise, I think, yeah, with it being firm and fast, greens definitely look, look like they're going to be pretty firm this year. I think, yeah, ball striking's key, um, and then form there. So I would, if I was betting, I'd go, I'd go Casey. I think he's been on good enough form and, and he's, he's always good around there. He's always there or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's, he's due one, so it'd be quite nice to get a Britain. It would be very nice, though. Yeah. Um, I think the Open... Sandwich is a kind of... A, Ross and George is an interesting venue. I think Open's so condition-dependent. I think if it's really yeah. tough, if it's really tough conditions, I'm going to go... Hmm. I mean, Lowry's always good in tough conditions. Yeah. I think... Don't know. Don't know. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Tough condition. I'm gonna go somewhere like Patrick Cantley or yeah. or Schofield. Um, uh, I like to. I'd like. I'm gonna be down there on. Well, assuming I get a, I get the tickets. Go. I'm gonna be down there on the Friday. So I hope it's not tough conditions because I quite That's like. Quite we're like we're not there on the Sunday, so I, I can't be doing with the rain. Um, but I think yeah, Sandwiches is a kind of funny venue. It's a that's a tough one to pick. It pulls out some great ball strikes like Lyle and Norman, and then you get some left field ones there. So, um, uh, yeah, Cantlay. Cantlay's a good good pick for the Open. Just all-round game. Really kind of gritty, gritty competitor as well. Um, so, the US Open is... What's the venue US Open this year? That is... Oh, we find they moved it, didn't they? Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, um, it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so... Everyone loves to hate him, but I know he did well there. Reed, yeah. again, will just 
he never goes away. Tough conditions, he always does he well. Always, he's, a, he's a class player, to be fair. He's got it all, hasn't he? Every aspect yeah. of the game. And obviously, you've got four man there as well. And I think the PGA is that Southern Hills this year? It's the, the Ocean Course, is it? It's a uh, Kiowa. Kiowa, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking about next uh, senior PGA Southern Hills. And so, Kiowa, um, again, slightly quirky venue. Uh, tough course. So let's think. Who would I want it to be? So many good players. Probably now there's so many good players. That's it. Uh, yeah. Let's think who's good. I, I'll, I'll just throw Schaeffler out there. I think he's, he's due a he's big due win, one. isn't he? He's definitely due one. Yeah. Fair yeah. play to you. I mean, no, no Dustin, no yeah. Bryson, no JT, and all of those. Fair play. Uh, and, uh, Justin Thomas would be I think he's right up there this week yeah, I think he's, he's my favourite yeah, yeah he's my favourite this week but Casey's British and I like a British winner so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would be so, very yeah. nice again there. yeah top man okay final question before we love you and leave you um, if you were to play any four ball who would you play with so any four ball so it would be I think I'm going to go well, there's there's the golfer four ball, and then there are kind of two four balls. There's I know, I know social four ball and golfer four ball. So social four ball would be uh, my brother-in-law, uh, who's a business partner, James, would be my best friend from school, uh, Tom, who's a BBC presenter in Look East. Uh, yeah. And then... Uh, ooh, the dad doesn't really play, so that, that doesn't come into it. And then probably... Well, I don't know who the fourth one would be. Don't want to offend anyone. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you were, you were literally thinking then, who can I leave out and be okay with? <laughs> is it like the wedding <laughs> list thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, social four ball, um, probably, probably another friend from the club. But yeah, uh, from the club, a friend I, uh, I play at. They've got a, uh, one of the guys in particular, a chap called Simon, who I'd probably play with there. I think pro, pro four ball would have to be um, Palmer, Seve, and as much as Tiger would be, Hogan would be the other of the third. Faldo's close. Faldo and Tiger are kind of there as well. But yeah. I think, yeah, Sevi for creativity, Hogan just for him. And then Palmer just would be so fun. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, again, fair play. One of the very few people to leave Tiger out. Yeah. Everybody... I like that. It's like a vintage four ball. Yeah. 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 It's like my my footwear on the golf course. Old school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was wearing some brown socks last week. Some vintage brown socks. It's all about the sock game. Vintage brown. Does that mean they've been through the wash a lot? They were white. Yeah, they used to be white. (laughs) 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 Simon, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. Um, Thank you for having me. Mate. I thoroughly enjoyed that chat. I thought it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope, for your sake, that that's filled you with a bit of inspiration to go get fitted for some new bats, see something a bit different behind the ball, and maybe lower those scores. Yeah, definitely. I uh, think I'm going to have to get fit onto this time. It's the way uh, forward, mate. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's the only sport I play. My one true passion in life. So, uh might as well get fit. What are you laughing about? <laughs> I know you better than any one of our <laughs> listeners here. <in terms> of... 
<laughs> Next week, you've heard it here first. Tommy, eBay, £75, <laughs> Slazinger set, because he wants to save himself 500 hey, It might not be Slazinger, but it'll be... Uh, I do like a bargain, but no, this time, got to get fit. Got to be the way forward. And then I'll have no excuses, so, which worries so me. So, I want you to go watch this video. And this is why I know I'm going to be right. Because you're a big fan of Rick Shields, right? He did a video. Um, I watched it yesterday where a tour pro went out oh, with a slashing. That's why you said £70. <laughs> yeah. You know I've seen it. I get that subscription update every, every yeah, two days. £70 slashing, you said. Yeah. Back nine at Worsley, mm. shot one under. Yeah, he is a good player. Like myself. You know, um, yeah, but I don't don't think that's the same in this situation. Well, we'll see, won't we? We'll see. We'll see what you come back with. You're either going to have booked in for a fitting, or there's going to be a new set sat right behind us <laughs> right now. So it's either going to be one, one or the other. But it certainly made me feel like I I know I want to go get fitted for a new driver, um, and I feel that there's some yards to be had and just some better golf mm. with with a new driver and I think part of it I want I think you know joking aside I want to see something different behind the ball That's it. and I, I think it's good well. just to see something different behind the ball every now and again yeah. it's been five years I've been looking at that ping yeah down that down on that floor and you've been angry at it for at least four years probably three at least three yeah, yeah very angry we've had a fractious relationship mm. love hate love it loves me I hate it, and especially hate it more when it's veering off to the right, <laughs> into the into the rough. Um, but yeah, we, we'll see. I'll, I'll hold you to it. But um, it I'll was... have something. There'll be something <laughs> here. Either a booking for fitting, <laughs> yeah, or clubs. Or no. I'll have quit. Or yeah, I've quit totally. Mate, you you could go Slazinger. Mm. That could be where you're going wrong. Just some really nice. Really flexible, massive headed Slazenger. Yeah, you know what? You know what? I need to get one of the uh, Northwestern Plus Ten drivers. Do you remember those? What? No, what's that? <laughs> remember them on the Golf Channel? Oh, so oh, it used yeah. to be. This is the Northwestern Plus Ten. Like you can use it off the tee. You can use it at the rough. You can use it on the fairway. You can you even use it as a putter? I think that's the, if that's the same club I'm thinking of. They used to have the dude just stood on one leg. Probably, off, yeah. Or just like stood on a rock, or the tip the ball was on a rock. Guy was using driver off it. Yeah, great. Job. You can hit it from anywhere. You can guaranteed yeah. to go straight. Um, available at all good car boots. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it was. I think it was really good chat, and I think it was really good for me to to speak to Simon and just get some of those insights into kind of some of the stuff that he was talking about in terms of technology moving on, and. Yeah, drivers look like they're only going to get more expensive. Seems that way. TaylorMade have got anything to do with it anyway. Well, especially with all these autoflex shafts and and all that coming out, it's it feels like it's going to be a very expensive <laughs> sport it. to keep playing. So want, don't snap drivers, kids. No. I want to see if they're going to have like a meteorite shaft driver. I feel like that could only be powerful. Yeah, it, they they literally could come up with anything mm. nowadays. But people will buy it. Definitely. It will be expensive. Yeah. It will be very, very expensive. But I really enjoyed uh, the chat. So next week's golf, we've got a couple of rounds planned. Mm -hmm. Whether we play them or not, God knows. It's bank yeah. holiday weekend. We're so, off to the yeah. Arden. So it's going to rain. 
bank yeah. holiday in England always rains, so yeah. And so you will be you'll be scarce. I will be at the range under the biggest canopy mm. that I could find. Um, but hopefully, if it's not, we're at Arden. See if we can get you off on that birdie count. The celebrations, the got, celebrations are going to be unreal. Don't worry about my health. Like it's not natural for a man not to have a beard that many birdies. I mean, I'm normally pretty heartless and soulless, mm. but I'm actually wanting you to make a birdie. It's just something about playing with you. I can't get it done. I've had so many chances. You like playing with Tiger, just intimidated. <laughs> it's gonna happen. This. Oh, it's gotta happen. I'm getting so stressed out. I'm, I'm awake at night thinking about this. The worst thing is, the longer it takes. Exactly. Every time you're yeah. on the green, you're like, this it, needs it's to just go. More pressure. More pressure. Yeah. Oh, it's killing me. It'll happen, yeah, mate. It'll happen. happen. So we've got Forest of Arden. We might have a round at Bredstall in maybe, between. Yeah, maybe a um, again, weather dependent. But um, hopefully, we'll have some updates next week. So. Um, Join us next week um, for some more absolute nonsense golf talk yeah, with us. At best. At best. And see if Tommy has another meltdown. That's we'll more likely than a birdie, to be honest. If, I, if it was a meltdown, Joe, I'd be winning that. So You would 100% be winning. So tune in next week. Join us and see if Tommy can finally get off and ring that birdie bell. Peace out. You have been listening to the Birdie Bell Podcast. Tune in next week. And remember, keep ringing that bell.